What's up, folks? We are back with another episode of On the Delo, not the Delo, <laughs> as we were just talking about before. And uh, excited for this one. I'm, I'm excited for all of them. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bullshit Jeff here, but uh, I am very excited to have him and for him to take uh, his Friday morning to come down here from Chandler, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, thank you. Half, was, halfway to Vegas halfway here to from Ve Chandler. I know, right? How was the traffic this morning? <laughs> it wasn't bad. No. Yeah. yeah. Coming up the 101 this way is. Yeah. Yeah, it's not too bad at all. Everybody else going the other way. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, yeah, thanks for joining me. Um, yeah, let's uh, let's just dig into it here. You're uh, you came from Kansas, correct? Came from Wichita, Kansas. Yeah. yeah. Do you ever go back? Uh, occasionally. Um, it's it was a great town to grow up in, uh, but there's you know everybody in Wichita is a Kansas City Chiefs fan or a Kansas you know State. KU basketball fan yeah. and so if you wanted to do something exciting you're you're driving a long ways and <laughs> so there's not a lot to do except get in trouble and uh, I mean I wasn't getting too much trouble but I, I was having having some fun after long days working in the restaurants you went you know you went out to bars and different things and so uh, my business partner, who was a friend of mine at that restaurant, Carlos O'Kelly's in Wichita, his mm. dad was a co-founder of it. He, uh, they said, "Hey, you want to go to Arizona, open up restaurants?" And it was a very quick decision. And that's how it started. Yeah. Really. Yeah. So, how many restaurants? Like, when did you start working in restaurants? What age were you? Fourteen. Okay. I don't even think it was legal because, yeah, you're not <laughs> supposed to be working a certain amount of hours. You know, like. We rarely hire anybody under 16 now because of, you know, the child labor laws and stuff, which is understandable, except for my kids. You can legally have your own children work for you. And yeah. I think a work ethic is very important, and restaurants teach you that. So, for sure. But, yeah, 14, I started working at a really fancy, you know, top-of-the-line restaurant called The Olive Tree, hmm. and it was amazing food. And, man, I worked like 40 hours a week. I grew up Catholic, and... My friends were all very wealthy, yeah. and I was not. Right. And so okay. to keep up with the Joneses, I had to have a full-time job. <laughs> and so, you know, I was a freshman in high school working 40 hours a week. And, and what were you doing, like from busing? Uh, busing tables, and then there would be uh, – they did a lot of big banquets, uh, weddings, different things, and you'd be yeah. doing things there. But, I mean, this was 1984, and I was – I, mean, I was making fifty bucks a night in tips Holy in cow. 1984. That was that was good money. And uh, I was going to ask what what was the hourly wage back then? Do you? Remember? Oh, it was two thirteen an hour. Okay, yeah. so you do yeah. remember <laughs> two thirteen an hour. But yeah, so that was I, I was doing well in high school because yeah. of that. What was really funny is when I went to college, though. I mean, even though my parents were not people with means, I didn't qualify for a lot of the uh, student aid and stuff because. You made too much I money. made too much money myself, not because of my family, but yeah. because of my W-2, I oh my showed goodness. too much. So I was like, the hard work was pretty much punished in that way. And, and you can't even drive whether uh, at that point because you're 14. Yeah, it was pouring rain. I mean, one thing my parents really instilled in me is, is a work ethic. I mean, I was yeah. blessed with parents who worked hard, and I think— I try to instill that in, in my children because I think it's, it's, if not the most important thing, one of the most important things. And so I rode my bike up, you know, in the pouring rain to this place. It was a mile and a half, two miles away. Yeah. My mom still remembers this. She just 
heard I was up there. It was 10 o'clock at night. I was interviewing, you know, as a 14-year-old on a bike and got the job, came out. She was out there waiting for me. I put my bike in her, in her trunk, and she was mad, but I was just like, Mom, I'm getting the job, you know? I mean, I, it was, I was ecstatic. Yeah. You know? I, besides shoveling snow and mowing lawns, you know, right. which is stuff I did before that now I was a working man so it was it was exciting do you think that you and I are the last generation to be able to tell those stories about you know walking through the woods going through the snow I mean we have driverless cars now yeah <laughs> yeah I mean I've instilled work ethic in my kids but like you know my older son doesn't drive he doesn't have a car he, he still doesn't have a Uber. license yeah. he Ubers everywhere right sometimes he pays for it with my account uh, but yeah he Ubers <laughs> everywhere my daughter is the exact opposite. She's 16 and a half, junior in high school, and she just loves driving. And she's a really good driver, too. I mean, but uh, yeah, it's like us out on our bikes, you know, parents yelling at you. Now it's I'm texting her. Where are you? It's a school night. Get right, home. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Back in the <laughs> so day, yeah, things have changed. <laughs> just a little bit. Yeah. I mean, like back in the day, I used to play in the woods near my house, and when I heard that dinner bell, you know, we had one of those bells up on the porch. I knew it was time to come home for dinner. Right. Like I was some, you know, dog or something. It was crazy. There's some funny videos out on Facebook. There's one lady who does it, and they talk about. Like some kid says, what was up with you guys in the 80s? You drank out of the water hose, you know? And, and she's like, we weren't allowed in the house. Right. Don't you get it? <laughs> and it goes through this whole litany of things of you just cannot even believe would be allowed to go on back then. I mean, my parents, and this isn't to throw them under the bus, but my parents got divorced. My dad lived in Tucson, which was kind of my intro to Arizona in the summers. Okay. And my <laughs> mom lived in, yeah, and he owned a roofing company. And I roofed for him in the summers oh, in Tucson oh for years. I would wake up praying for rain. But uh, my dad has never been, I, I mean, I wouldn't call him cheap, but he watches money really well <laughs> still to this day. And he, a plane ticket was too expensive for He didn't want to pay that much money for a plane ticket. So he sent a sixth grader, a fourth grader, and a kid in kindergarten on a Greyhound bus from Wichita to Tucson. Those now, if you did that sentence? today, DCS would be calling oh you God, up, you yeah. know. But back then, that was that was normal. I remember it took like a day and a half, two days, two, two days. I mean, because they stop at every little town yeah. along the way. That's and, crazy. Uh, what an it, experience. It was pretty nuts. Yeah. yeah. So you have two siblings? Yeah, I have an older brother and a younger brother. Gotcha. And they both uh, live here, one here and one up, you know, near Pine Top. So everybody kind of migrated out here, I guess. Mm -hmm. uh, what is your your mom still? My dad lives in Tucson, and my mom actually lives with us now. She's oh. kind of of the age where cool. uh, we need to be really close with her. So. That's good that you can do that. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think it's a mother-in-law suite, but, so I guess my wife's mother-in-law, but... She <laughs> lives in the mother-in-law suite. Oh, my goodness. So, okay, and your your wife you met when you were living out here, but she lived in Kansas at the time? Yeah, this is a really weird story, but amazing story, but I can go through it real quick. Please do. Uh, so I wouldn't say, I mean, we were kind of infamous at the restaurant we worked at back there. One, because my business partner's dad was part owner, and two, because we we just had a lot of fun, and so you know, how restaurants become a family and stuff. And so when we left, right when I was, she was originally from Enid, Oklahoma, uh, and she was a single parent, moved to Phoenix, uh, 
with her son. And then uh, right when I was moving to Phoenix from Wichita, she was moving from Phoenix to uh, to Wichita. Okay. So I went from Wichita to Phoenix. She went from Phoenix to Wichita at exactly the same time. Oh, wow. So then a year later, I go back to visit and went into Carlos O'Kelly's, of course, because that's where all my friends were. Yeah. And everybody was just like, we just, I think you should ask her out. I don't, <laughs> nobody <laughs> understands why they were saying this. And so I did. And we went out and played pool that night and had a great time. And then I came back to Phoenix and, you know, we had our shop, Dilly's Deli in Tempe at the time was the only restaurant. And the Outback had just opened a mile away. And it was like all the rave back then. And so... I went in there one night to watch the Final Four. Kansas Jayhawks is playing in the Final Four, and she walks out, and she's working there. Oh, wow. And so we've been together ever since. That was like 96 or 97. Yeah. And been together ever since. Now, she doesn't like the way I tell the story because I say she stalked me out here, you know, and, you know, well, it's I funny. fell for now it. she's but. moving back to Arizona. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and uh, so... Yeah, it, it was pretty amazing. Been together. Wow, so. that's great. I mean, yeah. when you know, you know. Yeah. It took me a little while to know because I was just a maniac. So right. when I hit about 39, that was my sweet spot. Right. Yeah, that's great. Um, okay, so restaurant business always been in your blood, understandably. Uh, you come out here, and then you basically um, are working and, and doing restaurant stuff, and then all of a sudden, like, you you wake up and you say, I'm going to get into the politics? Yeah, I mean, I've always been interested in politics. I mean, I, I remember I became a precinct committeeman, like, in the early 2000s, and uh, got to know—that's that, a really great way, no matter what party you're in, if you want to get involved in politics. You become a precinct committeeman because all the— political people come and talk to you. You just learn a lot and you create these connections. Mm. And so I was always always interested in it. And I got to a point in my restaurant career where we had managers for all the places. I mean, it's still going and work, but yeah. it wasn't like when we started and we were literally working 80 hours a week. And so, yeah, I, I, I tell the story. It was with a buddy of mine, Gary Hayes, and we were, it was during the poker boom. So I think it was <laughs> 2005, 2006, and I, I was just asking, well, who's running for Chandler City Council? And yeah. I had had some issues with some things that were going on, and he goes, I go, could I win? And he's like, yeah, and that night, playing poker, which I won the 20-man tournament that ah. night, too, uh, decided I was running for Chandler City Council, and uh, literally, I got in so late. The uh, election was five months later. Oh, and, wow. Uh, and, and you won. Pulled through, yeah. So uh, from what I read and from what I know of you, you've been kind of labeled more as like a, a sensible person's approach. Yeah, I think it's the business person yeah. in me where you have to be solutions-based. You can't just be – I mean, we don't tolerate that in the restaurant business. We don't tolerate problem pointers. You want to point out an issue, that's fine, but have a solution. Correct. And I think uh, uh, there, there's a good amount of people in politics that are – problem pointers, but they don't necessarily come up with a solution unless it's just so draconian that it's not feasible. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so, yeah, I, 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 I'll take that title. Yeah. I like it. I like it. So then you have a successful run doing city count. How long did you do that? So I did that for eight years. You yeah. did that for eight years. Yeah. And then you go 
for, and then I ran for the state house. And you won. And I won. And you're another eight years doing that. Eight years there. So you're like 16 years total into. Yeah. Actually, it's even almost 17 because they changed the elections during council and they couldn't take away the time that we served. So they extended our terms by like a half a year. But yeah. So, and again, I'm, I'm politically stupid, so just excuse me if I'm asking some dumb questions here. You get sworn in, is that kind of what happens? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then what, what's that feeling like when you're like at the Capitol and, you know, you're going through all this and you're like, holy shit, this is like big time politics now? Yeah. I mean, it's like any other job. Yeah. And there's a lot of good people down there. And then there's people who phone it in. And then there's people who are climbers and they're not necessarily worried with solving what's in front of them they're always looking you know it's like the football player in game one of the nfl and they're thinking about the super bowl instead of what's right in front of them Mm. um so you have all types just like you do in all jobs um but i just tried to solve problems and it's it's hard work i mean if if you're going to do it and do it right yeah uh I mean, I'm proud of the fact that there's people down there who run 80 bills a year. There's no way. Just like that that would be like you running, you know, 20 different businesses out of this office and thinking that you're on top of every one of them. I mean, it's just because the bills are pretty comprehensive. Yeah. yeah. And so they run 80 bills. They don't know what's going on with all those. bills. (laughs) So I always ran anywhere from 15 to 20 bills. Okay. And. I think during those eight years, I might go back and look, but I think I had the best record almost every single year of the percentage of bills that I got through because I either got them signed into law or I got them in the budget, which is essentially signed into law. And so I would think my my rate was anywhere those years between 80 and 95 percent every year. And that's not a one party thing. Like you have to really talk to everybody to kind of yeah. get them involved. A lot of yeah. them were, were very, uh, you know, were bipartisan bills where, right. you know, sometimes they're unanimous and sometimes a bunch of Republicans are off and some Democrats are off and I'm yeah. getting a majority in the middle. Interesting. So you're, you're literally in sales. Pretty much. I've had lobbyists like tell me it's like they see me down on the floor going desk to desk, say just arguing my bill and getting people on board and you know, and just getting them and because I'm just I'm very competitive. Yeah. I mean, and I can tell you are too. I mean I'm I'm a competitive person and so one, I wouldn't be run the bill unless I thought it was right. right. And two, uh, I wanna win. And yeah. the way you win is getting a bill. You know, there's micro wins as you go along. You got it out of committee. You got it heard in rules. You got it off the floor. Now it's in the Senate. You start it over again, you know. But you want to win for the right reasons. And you're you're very niche-based, really, it sounds like, just even in your bills, just having 15 as opposed to 80. Yeah. And at first, I was very uh, niche-based as far as the kind of bills I ran. But as that went on, you know, I, I went to a whole litany of things, you know, yeah. business bills, obviously, but justice reform and, and different things that, you know, I would look at. And sometimes it's, I mean, it's a, it's a group effort. It's not just me getting right. billed through. And there was times where I would help other people with their bills, you know, and, or a lot of times something comes over from the Senate and I mean, I'll give you one quick example. Uh, Eddie Farnsworth, who I like a lot, great Republican uh, from Gilbert, but he's polarizing to some in the other party. And he had a great justice reform bill that basically allowed people with uh, marijuana offenses 
to go through uh, classes in jail and get early release into programs and halfway houses a lot earlier than what they were. Makes sense. And, but unfortunately, sometimes to sponsor the bill uh, on both sides, yeah. it has an effect where they're like, well, no, I don't like that person, or, yeah, so I'm not going to do it. So mm-hmm. he gave me permission to negotiate on his behalf, and I kind of took it over in the house. And we got it through and got it out. And, you know, it was because he did such a great job in the beginning, the genesis of it. And then I helped take it over and held, you know, very big productive meetings negotiating in the other side. That's great. That's great. Well, I so I got to know you through the omnibus bill um, committee that I'm a part of and represent the insurance industry. And from what you can recollect with the and and you've been been so amazing to, you know, represent us, the the hospitality industry on those bills. From what you can recollect, what were some of your favorite initiatives that were on some of these bills that got passed? Well, I think the first year is just my and that here's the thing with being legislature, you have co sponsors and you have the prime sponsor. The prime sponsor is the one who works it, negotiates it, has the absolute authority to change things in it, you know, okay. do amendments. Uh, I was a co-sponsor of the beer bill my first year in, which was really cool. Uh, you <laughs> know, bet. friends like Anthony Konecki, who I yeah. know who owns Santan and, and different people. It was just a common sense bill that needed to be done to give some freedom to the brewers of, of beer here in Arizona. So that was a cool start as a co-sponsor. And then a few years in, I was a chairman of commerce for six years, so a couple years in. And so then all the liquor bills pretty much go through your committee. And okay. so then they all started paying a lot more attention to me and talking to me. And I, you know, there was different bills, different years. There was one bill that I ran that uh, allowed, I don't know if you've ever been to Desert Ridge or uh, the oh, yeah. Tempe Mall where you can walk around yep. with liquor and the thing, you have to have correct security. So it was like a three-year test and then my last year in, we made it permanent, but I insisted that we allow smaller people to do it. So mm-hmm. it's not just creating a, a carve out just for these large 400,000 square feet mall owners, that it's for everyone. And so that was cool. One that I really liked that seems like not a big deal, but I think really benefited restaurants and bars is, and this was such a weird thing, but I knew about it because of my experience in restaurants. Yeah. that. We always had to have 19-year-olds to serve alcohol. I like this one, yeah. Because in Arizona, and it took me a while to figure out why, the serving age, not the drinking age, but to serve, take a bottle of beer and set it in front of a customer, you had to be 19 years old. I'm like, it's just so arbitrary and weird. I don't want it to be 21, but I could understand 21. Yeah. And I could understand 18. And the reason it was like that is before the federal government blackmailed all the states into changing the drinking <laughs> age to 21 by threatening their highway funds, the, the drinking age in Arizona wasn't 18 like most states. It was 19. Really? And so they made it 19 because they didn't want a high school senior turning 18 and then buying beer and giving it to all their 17-year-old friends. So the serving age was 19 as well as the drinking age. Then when, and these are such basic things, but if you don't have people from all different experiences in the legislature, this is why things get missed. I wouldn't pick up something for insurance that an insurance person in that business would pick up if they were a legislator. And so I picked up on that. I'm like, how in 
geez, what was it, 35 years or something from when this was done, has nobody said, why is the serving age of alcohol 19? Yeah. And so we changed it to 18. It wasn't tough, tough, but I had to say, I'm not talking about the drinking age. Right. You know? and, yeah, you had to clarify. Uh, so we changed it. But if you think about the effect that that had, people go off to college. And what do they want to do? They a lot of people need a job. Yeah. Well, those people, unless they're working at a breakfast restaurant, can't wait tables. They're freshman year in college. Right. And so it really opened up opportunities for them, but also opened up vast opportunities for restaurateurs who your labor force is much tighter and, and the amount of people you have to choose from. And so it expanded that that labor force by a whole age of going down one year. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just little things that people don't even think of, right. but can have, a, I think, a dramatic effect on a lot of different places. And probably most people like listening here or just even out there don't even know that that even happened or that right. it was even a thing, you know? I always say I, I run a lot of bills that aren't necessarily, f now I have ran some that are front page news, but that aren't yeah. front page news, but I think they're meaningful yeah. and they're meaningful for certain sectors. I always want things to be fair. So I'm not looking, you know, for carve outs for, right. you know, certain things, but just to bring fairness to the, the overall landscape. And in liquor, I can tell you that almost every sector of the industry loved me one year and then maybe didn't like me very much the next year yeah. because I ran something they thought was against them. But I didn't look at it as against them. I looked at it as making the, the landscape fair for everyone. Completely. Yeah. Um, so before we jot out of, out of politics, it's my understanding that your eight years was up and then what, you have to take a year off or something? Before yeah, take a couple years off. I did run for state treasurer and did not win. It was my first loss. So I'm, uh, what, six and one now. So now uh, you're training to, to yeah. get back in. <laughs> yeah. But I'm much more, I mean, I was laid back when I was in there, as yeah. you know. but. Being out of it, because you said a minute ago, you know, oh, you're down there and it's important. And it is important, but man, everybody gets a really overinflated thought of themselves. Because you have people all day coming in just telling you how great you are. Yeah, oh my gosh, right. you're so important. Nobody outside of there knows who the hell you are. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, they just don't care, don't know. Yeah. They got their own lives to live. And everybody, when they're doing their job, seems like it's important and, yeah. it, and it is and you know in the restaurant business believe me we preach equity with everyone in there our dishwashers at Floridinos if if they weren't working we cannot serve our our people and then they're some of our best best compensated people because yeah. everybody's important in that in that chain and so that that's been one thing and i realize this but that's really been driven home since i've been gone is you're not that big of a deal so that's a good segue. So you've had, obviously, the restaurants this whole time that, you know, you were in office and you were probably doing double duty, I would assume. Oh, yeah. Right? And I'd you, be you making caterings in the morning yeah. and and taking phone calls, have a stop caterings at 9 a.m. and have a meeting in the restaurant and then be on the floor of the Capitol, change from like these clothes that I have on yeah. that I'm going to the restaurant after this and change into a suit and speed down to, like not speed, but drive down to uh, <laughs> the Capitol. Paul ass down to, <laughs> you're like Clark Kent Superman. Yeah, yeah and, and would you say, did, did politics help the restaurant industry? Did the restaurant industry help politics? Was it just kind of... I mean, I, I, I... The experience in the restaurant industry, I mean, uh, helps because I had that mindset 
uh, the efficiency, one, from the restaurants. I, I just, if I can save two or three seconds on a transaction, add it up towards 500 transactions, it's a lot of time. And so you think with that mentality, and if yeah. you do that, the legislature, that's really helpful. Um, so yeah, I think I think it helped, and uh, and I was able to see problems that that existed. You know, we, during the pandemic, we'll bring up one more quick thing that I did during the pandemic. Uh, we had the executive order that allowed cocktails to go. Mm-hmm. And it was just a savior for a lot of smaller restaurants. And so I ran a bill to my last year in there to um, continue that and allow that uh, on an ongoing basis. Now, I did get accused that I was doing it just for myself at my own place. And I'll say, I, I never approach bills like that. Uh, and to this day, I don't have one of those licenses. We didn't yeah. get it. But uh, I want fairness with everyone, and I want the small mom and pops uh, to be able to compete and and uh, drive revenue in extra places. And I think we saw that it wasn't, you know, Mad Max beyond Thunderdome, and it can be done in a right. in a responsible, responsible way. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I remember people arguing in committees. Oh, you just you're gonna have people drink on the way home. It's like. You know, if they get a can of beer at the grocery store, do you think there's some kind of locking mechanism that they can't just open that in the car as it is? Or a drive-through liquor store, which is completely legal. And so the arguments were just a little ludicrous, but we, after a lot of negotiating, we ended up getting it through. Yeah, that's an definitely a a big one to get passed through. I know a lot of my clients had benefited from it and and, and still are to you know a certain point. But as a Republican, it was weird because at the end, (laughs) I ran lots of liquor bills. And then I ran, I was the prime sponsor of the bill to legalize sports betting. And mm. so, you know, Republicans usually are usually known as running gambling and liquor. Right. And so I was like, man, I better be careful. I'm going to get a little bit of a rep here. But the, the sports betting is, was just inevitable. Yeah. All, it's going all over the nation. You have the, the sports teams all embracing it. I mean, you couldn't have a team in Vegas for a long, long time just because of the betting stuff. And right. then. Not only have they have a team there, but everybody's embracing it. And so uh, that was another big one in the last year. The whole system is weird to me. I, I think we all have uh, a little bit of elephants and donkeys in all of us, you know? Just depends on, you know, how much <laughs> how much elephant or how right. much donkey. So, um, well, tell me about the restaurants. How is everything everything going? And I know you have these, uh, what are they, pizza rolls? We have a thing called pizza muffins. Out pizza of muffins. Florodino's yeah. here, repping my, my great hometown guy, what State 48. What is a pizza muffin? Uh, pizza muffin is... And we've had, I've seen a lot of people try to do it as well, yeah. and they just discontinue it. But we basically take a dough. Diddy, we put Diddy's it, getting hungry over here. <laughs> <laughs> we put in a rectangle, and you put items in it. You roll it up into a log, okay. so it's like a, a roll of muffins, and then you cut them into 12 pieces and then bake them through the oven. So we have everything. Our, our normal one is like ham, ground beef, sausage, uh-huh. cheese, and, and marinara. Uh, we have spicy chicken wing ones that are wing sauce, chicken and cheese, and you dip them in ranch. Yeah. Uh, they are so incredibly popular. It's crazy. And 4th of July, we do them. They're normally like 13 or $14 a dozen, but it's equivalent of like a medium pizza. Yeah. Uh, 4th of July, we do them for, we started at $4. Can't do that anymore, but we do them for like $6. This last year, we sold 1,700 dozen in one day, and we were only open for seven hours. So, wait, you uh, get 12 slices for? You get 12 round, yeah, yeah rounds. They're 
big in each one. And then we have a food truck that only does pizza muffins. That's right. We just do it for big events. So we're going to be at Santan's Oktoberfest. Cool. And uh, we'll do them there a lot for marketing and stuff. But, yeah, they're really popular. That's our place, Florino's. We've been there 27 years in Chandler. Yeah. And then we have a place called Dilly's Deli that we opened 30 years ago. 93? 93. 93. Uh, and that's at Southern and Price. At one time, we had four locations, and they just they didn't work out. And then, but we still have two kiosks in Sky Harbor Airport in Terminal yeah. Four. That is my first foray into mailbox money, and that's been nice because we don't do anything; they do it all. Right? Yeah, mailbox money is the best. Ask yeah, some of these artists. Yeah. And so, uh, but those keep us very busy. They're both doing, you know, good, doing really well, and. And when it's, I just learned you you can't have pride when it comes to business. Right. And so, uh, for the longest time, I was like, no, we got we got to make it through this location, you know. And then it keep it it's not doing well. I remember we had one in Chandler, Dilly's, and our lease was coming up, and we were already breaking even or losing a little bit of money. And so we're discussing it. They were going to raise our rent like another two grand a month. Yeah. And so we're like doing the numbers and we're like, and then we're locked into a five-year lease. You have to do a personal guarantee yep. on it to where if you shut down, you got to pay them all the rent. Yep. And so we shut it down. And I remember, and it's just the mentality because I just, it's not mentality. It's a lack of understanding of how restaurants specifically work. Right. You'd have people on Facebook saying, well, this is ridiculous. Every time I went in there. Friday at noon, they were packed. I'm like, well, yeah, you came in the peak time of the week. Right. Um, I remember one lady, there was a dentist office next door to us, and, and someone said, well, that's just ridiculous. It just really makes me mad. Like, they were mad at us. And, and she was like, <laughs> that's where we went whenever we had a dentist appointment. And I'm like, so you came in twice a year, right. and you're wondering why we can't stay in business. It's just... You, you know, uh, her a bill uh, for the pro rent. tip to people, if, if you like a place, you have to go in there more than two, three, even 10 times a year Yeah, because the, the numbers just don't work. You get, That's why you, so many fail. It's so important that people support local and understand how important it is. And if you enjoy something, go there as much as possible. Yeah. You know? Even yeah. like this, these guys. Yeah. To give them a shout right? out. State 48, they're a hometown Chandler business. Yeah. Uh, they blew up when they made a Cardinals t-shirt for the coach years ago with the, like these headphones yeah. on and stuff. And they do all the major sports teams, but then they also, uh, do businesses and stuff. And so they custom make, you know, and so we, we, we love the guys, Michael and all them, and, and we want to support them as well. So that's great. We try that and, you know, we do trade out with other restaurants or we buy from other restaurants and try to support our other local businesses like Santan known Anthony, like I said, a long time. We were the second restaurant in Arizona who ever carried a Santan beer right wow. when they first opening. So. I just saw Anthony at the uh, Omnibus Bill meeting. Um, that's great. What? Um, any plans? Is it? Is it just? Are you good with what you have now, or would you like to open? You know, a Floridino's like up north here or somewhere else. I mean, possibly. W one thing we're actually looking at is more just the niche of like pizza muffins. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's great. And. Uh, you know, these kind of smaller carry-out delivery. Yep. Yep. We've really perfected uh, curbside takeaway in Chandler uh, with our Floridinos. I mean, I would 
challenge anybody to like go there and not be happy. I mean, usually you're driving, you park in the space and you're leaving three minutes later wow. at the most. Um, so we we have 12 spaces. We probably do 250 cars a day through the the curbside. Uh, so we think we might be able to uh, pivot that in, into kind of a carryout. Plus the the labor is a lot better in that kind of a business. Pizza muffins are really easy to make, right. and uh, you just don't need that many people to do it. Versus Floridinos, which is we love it, it's gangbusters, but you know we have. 80 to 90 employees that work at that location. Yeah. Where if you just had a, it's kind of like the idea of if you go to In N Out or Chick fil A, they have a very limited menu. Yeah. They don't have 100 items, you know. Right. I got hired at TGI Friday's serving tables when I got here once. I got hired, they gave me the packet. <laughs> they sent me home with the menu. I'm like, nope, hell no. I'm, I'm not, not worrying this book this thick of, uh, <laughs> Of recipes, so sometimes it's uh, uh, simple is better. If simple you really is better. The I 100 percent agree, and and I love the. It, it's funny. It's like two weeks in a row I've had pizza on because I I had Anthony Spinato oh, on right. uh, last week sitting right at the chair that you're sitting. Yeah, in, talking about the family business and you know how they've grown strategically and you know it's yeah. pizza. Everybody loves pizza. I've owned two pizza places myself. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I, I I get it. Um, I want to talk about uh, your daily habits, your day, your non-negotiable. What, what is a day? I, I know not every day is the same, but like, what, yeah. what are things that you have to do in your day to make you feel, you know, complete? I think a lot of people like the, to hear that from all sorts of different types of people. Yeah. Um, get up. Uh, you know, I'm still in the uh, child on the home mode. It's getting very different, but you know, yeah. tell my daughter to get out of bed two or three times, you know, and get right. to school and, uh, <laughs> stretch. I have back issues. Um, so I have to stretch every day or I just can't even leave a whole lot. Get yeah. out. I walk a lot. Cool. Um, uh, I, I'm not pumped. I should, but as soon as my back gets healed, I'll hopefully be lifting weights like you do all the time in your videos. Um, <laughs> Uh, pray every day. Uh, it, it's tough because I'm still in the in the mode of uh, work a lot, and yeah. so uh, you know I, I figure out what kind of caterings we got. If we have a ton of caterings at Dilly's, then I'll get up very early and be there by six or seven. If I don't like today, we don't have any caterings. I'll roll in at ten forty five, ten thirty, ten forty five, and just uh, you know in case things happen. Um, and then afternoons, a lot of times are open, but here's the thing is I'm running again for office next year. Yeah. So yesterday I had a meeting in the morning with someone, uh, three or four times a week. Now I'll start having meetings at different times. Right. So that's where it does get interesting, but I love the chaos. I mean, I'd rather be busy like that yeah. and having, again, you're, you're just going from one mode to another. And a lot of it's phone calls and so uh, a lot of that, check in, at, you know, work a few nights at Floridino's. This weekend I'm working the food truck both days uh, oh, cool. at, at the festival. So yeah. um, All that we only have a limited amount of people who drive the truck, and I'm, like, at the top <laughs> of the list. So it's kind of a beast. Uh, so, uh, you know, we'll do that. Uh, probably on my computer too much, but, uh, yeah. you know, I trade cryptocurrency some, so ah. I've got to check in every day on that. Um, I check the news a lot, study up on uh, 
try to stay current with issues, yeah. especially, you know, political issues that'll need to uh, be going in. I wish I had more extracurricular stuff that I that I do, but I don't. I, I like music a lot, like you, yeah. but I just haven't been able to do, see a lot lately, but uh, I went up and saw Roger Klein, The Peacemakers, in Cottonwood a couple weeks ago. That was a lot of fun. We're going to see you 2 at The Sphere. Oh, cool. Uh, they opened a night. Tonight's their first night. Yeah. I, I think that's just going to be the most amazing experience. And take my son and my wife, but and my business partner's going too. So my son's really first time in Vegas. He's been there once, but he wasn't 21 at the time. So. Right. So, yeah, I've learned that experiences, even if it's not a daily thing, I've traveled more in this year, year and a half. I've been out of the legislature than I have those 16 years I was in office combined. And so experiences I just think are important. So I'd rather just a few times a year be able to go with the family and go do something cool, fun, different. Yeah. And uh, have those experiences. That's great. I hear that a lot. That's wonderful. All right. I get a couple uh, rapid fire questions for you. You ready? All right. You listen to the podcast before. You know mm -hmm. this is coming. All right. Fish or Metallica? Uh, Metallica. Okay. Which were you favorite? disappointed in that? Not at all. I just didn't know if you were a hippie or a rocker. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Probably understand, man. Yeah. Well, no. What's your favorite like '80s band? Oh, U2. I've seen U2 probably 18 times. Okay. And in fact, quick story. Yeah. And I told this one time. I've told this to Governor Ducey because I thought <laughs> I thought I. Flew out here, the last concert of the Joshua Tree Tour. I lived in Wichita. I was yeah. a senior in high school. So it was 1987, because it was like in December. I went to that in uh, Sun Devil. I was at the first night. Okay. And my brother lived in Tucson at the time, so he bought me a ticket. I think they were $5 yeah. at Dillard's. And so he bought me a ticket. I flew out here by myself, and I didn't have anywhere to stay. And so I worked at this place called Willie C's Cafe at the time in Wichita. And I had a couple, I was in high school, but I had a couple friends who worked there who were at Kansas State, and they were in a, they were a, uh, I forget what fraternity they were in. It was the same one Governor Ducey was in. I think it was, now it wasn't DU, but, uh, and so they said, well, just, oh, Pike, they were a Pike. And they said, just tell them you're a Pike from Kansas State. And so I literally walked up, said I'm a pike. They let me crash on the couch for two nights. <laughs> I didn't know what pike was. I, mean, I didn't even know what the Greek alphabet was. I thought it was P-I-K-E or something. Right. Luckily, they didn't have a secret handshake or anything. Yeah. And so I stayed the night there, crashed on the couch, and saw you 2 I had tickets on the floor for like the 25th row. That's amazing. But this guy, and again, I'm 17. Yeah. He's like, dude, come here. Take this pencil eraser and just erase that two. And back then, you could do that. That two erased right off. Right. Now I was in fifth row at U2. <laughs> was, I still have the ticket stub. I, I don't, unfortunately, but I had a cool t shirt. I lost that. But yeah, so I, I flew out here. I, I love U2. That's a great U2. Story. And my wife is the other thing, loves U2. And her wedding song was All I Want Is You by U2. I love and that song. So, oh, God. Uh, yeah, we're. Or YouTube fanatics. Anyway, I'm sorry, I interrupted your rapid. No, fire. you're good. I, I get that's how I get stories. Is that a rapid fire? Because they're so off the wall. Um, okay, beard or no beard? Uh, right now, 
beard, but it's getting really gray, so yeah, it might be no beard. Before. I noticed on some of your pictures online, like you would be like Mr. Beard, and then yeah, and I was coloring it back then, <laughs> and then something with my skin, I would get these rash. It just would it's yeah. so bad, and it embrace the, it. The color didn't work, and then I. God, this is embarrassing. And then I ordered <laughs> online of some beard. organic BS stuff uh, and literally turned my beard green. It was just ridiculous. I'm like, yeah, okay. it, was, it was dog shit, probably. Yeah. <laughs> they disguised. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. I rubbed dog shit on my face. Oh, uh, we all do it one time. <laughs> UFOs or Bigfoot? Uh, UFOs. All right. Perfect. Um, uh, watch sports or reality TV? Sports. Yeah. Okay. Are you obviously a Cardinals fan? Yeah, I'm a Cardinals fan, huge Chiefs fan. Okay. Because um, that was our team back there. And my daughter, so my sons didn't like football at all, no. didn't like sports. My daughter is incredibly athletic, can pick up any sport, and loves football. And so she's been a big Chiefs fan. Like, she'll sit down. And my wife used to complain. She's like, finally get a girl. She just wants to sit and watch football with dad. You hey. know? And, yeah. and uh, so she was just bugging the crap out of me this last year is like, Dad, let's go to the Super Bowl. And I'm like, honey, do you know how much money that is? <laughs> and she just kept, and my wife was like, take her to the Super Bowl. I'm like, honey, it's a lot of money. It's a lot of pizza rolls. And uh, it finally got to the point, though, it was a few days ahead of time, and the prices were coming down, and I got to thinking, I'm like, when is your team in the Super Bowl yeah. and it's in the city that you live where you don't have to go and pay $10,000 to mm. stay somewhere Good else? Point. And so we went. We had like, uh, I don't know, 15th row seats in the end zone. It was amazing. It was just a And you'll never forget story. it the rest of your life. Never. Yeah. Again, experiences. You know, yeah, that's really cool. With her, too. Um, all you can eat or fine dining? Uh, fine dining, uh, you know. You can go to uh, Steak 44 or something, you know, yeah. the new Mastro's uh, place, something like that. Or even, you know, somewhere in Chandler, yeah. Yeah. Uh, not all you can eat. No. Uh, would you rather do a fundraiser or go to the doctor? A fundraiser. <laughs> <laughs> it, they used to drive me crazy asking people for money. And, you you know, after a while, you just put the pride aside, you know, just yeah. em, embrace the suck. But, yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> Doctor's not as bad as dentist, but, yeah. I was going to put dentist. That's so yeah. funny. Um, hike or a massage? Oh, wow. Probably massage, yeah. Yeah. Especially with your back and everything. Yeah. yeah. Um, thin crust or regular? Thin, uh, I guess it depends on the place how it is, but yeah, yeah, thin crust. We were talking about this yesterday about we have a manager meeting uh, at Floridino's every week, and we have we have six managers, and they've all been there for 15 years or more, yeah. which we're proud of. I think that means we don't awesome. suck as a boss. No. Um, and we we're all talking about favorite pizza outside of here. And there's favorite pizza, and then what you do in a hurry if you right need. Gosh, I need some food and need it delivered, and if I go to Floridino's, I'm gonna get put to work, you know, kind of thing. And yeah. so, you know, so there was two different categories, but you know, there's some good pizza places. You know, we have Craft 64 in Chandler, which is really good. There's a place in Cottonwood, which is just amazing. God, what is the name of that? 
it's owned. The same guy owns all the. Jared owns, Eric. Yeah, yeah, owns that hotel. Like he Boca owns or all the. Yeah, Bocce. Bocce. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just phenomenal pizza. And so yeah. The, yeah, there's a lot of good, good pizza good stuff places. Out here. A lot of good pies in Arizona. Um, the stock market or buying land. I would change it and say because what I'm looking at right now is buying, you know, homes. Uh, okay. And you know, if there's a downturn and opportunities, buying homes because I just think this rental market in Arizona is going to be just phenomenal for a long time, a, a very long time. And so, accumulating that kind of stuff, land you got to develop and you're going to have a lot more money. But okay, um, yeah, it's an acceptable answer. Yeah. And then, last but not least, uh, public speaking or waiting tables. Probably public speaking at this point. I mean, I was a badass waiter in my yeah. day. I mean, I remember it was funny back in those times. I was 21, you know. I held the sales record at our place. And it was a big place. I mean, we had like we'd have 30 or 40 people working at a time. It was a high volume Mexican restaurant, Wichita. And yeah, I held that sales record for a while, and that was that was a big deal to me. I used to love waiting tables, and I love working in the restaurant still. And there's aspects of doing everything. Yeah. But, uh, what was the question? Was that public or speaking or yeah? But public speaking is just I really mind. try to conduct myself almost like this now when when I'm speaking anywhere. I just try to be try to be yourself. I learned that a right. long time ago. I've never lied as a politician, but I remember going door to door when I first ran for city council, and I I just found myself. Of course, I was really young too. I was found myself trying to contort myself and what I thought that mm, person was trying to say. Right. And now, if I mean, I change that very quickly. And if you just say what you actually believe, one, you're not lying, don't feel slimy, and two, you don't forget it because it's what you truly believe. Yeah, so yeah. you're going to say the same answer later on. You know. No, I love that. I, I definitely live by that um, by that mantra for sure. So. And well, and it gets to be a thing real quick. Is that? And this is, I think, in business or politics or anything. People take things too personally. Just because you disagree with someone on an issue yeah. doesn't mean there should be animus between the two. Right. It just means you disagree on an issue. Right. And in the political world, and especially the lobbying world, you figure that out a little bit. You're like, oh, well, okay, we'll catch you on the next one. Yeah, we'll Push go this one aside. Later. Yeah. Right. And there just needs to be more of that, whether it's politics, personal thing, neighbors, business. I mean, uh, it, it's... Just Not necessarily personal. You should still conduct yourself in a above board way, but yeah. we're going to disagree on things occasionally. Yeah, just love each other, man. Right? Yeah. Um, where can where can people? I'm going to put all this in show notes, but since I have you vocally here and I can do uh, chat GPT, yeah. uh, where can everybody find? You know, well, first of all, you know, vote for him. He's running for office again. Number one. Number two. Go to your restaurant. So where yeah. can everybody find you and what, uh, what do you want to share? So our, our restaurant, uh, Florino's, is in Chandler on Alma School, halfway between Ray and Chandler, and uh, our. Uh, uh, Website is floridinos.net, F-L-O-R-I-D-I-N-O-S.net. And then Dilly's Deli, Gourmet Sandwich Shop is at Southern and Price, and uh, it's dillysdeli.com. Love to see you come in. Yeah, that'd be fun. And might see you back there cooking pizzas. You, you might, or running food out, running, or doing yeah. whatever. As a politician, people, they can find me if they disagree with someone. I've had many, you know, cordial conversations over the bar, serving someone a beer, talking about specific issues or you know I'm really big into constituent service you know if yeah. you can solve a problem for someone 
they shouldn't have to go to their elected official, but you can cut through the bureaucracy sometimes by doing that. So. Thousand percent. That's that's great. Yeah, there, there's not many built like you for sure. I, I know I'm not built. I, I I'm too. Uh, I don't know. Too fragile. I think. Yeah. Um, anyways, thank you so much for doing this. This is this is a blast. I what great stories and uh, a lot of good snippets I'll get out of you. So thank you. Um, thank you everybody for listening. Please subscribe to the podcast. It definitely um, helps with viewership and all that. Uh, give us a five star, and thanks for. Um, you know, listening to some of the past episodes. And until next time, I hope you all have a wonderful day. Peace out.